0: All right, as you're seated this morning, I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 31, Proverbs chapter 31. If you know your Bible, you know where we're going today. That virtuous, capable, godly woman mentioned in chapter 31, we're going to look at this passage about the ideal mom. As I thought about the tasks of motherhood, looking through the things and thinking about everything that a mom does, mom has some tasks that nobody else seems to want to do, And it's not always easy. I ran across some excuses that moms had written for the reasons their kids weren't in school or why they were late. And So listen to their attempts to to get this right to explain why their kids weren't in school. Please excuse Joyce from P.E. for a few days. Yesterday she fell off a tree and misplaced her hip. Here's another one. Sorry Joey wasn't in Spanish. His throat was so sore that he could hardly speak English. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Here's one up. Little boy was late to school. The reason Charlie was late today is that we are a family of two working parents, four children, and one bathroom. That's a good one. Ray's mom wrote, please excuse Ray Friday from school. He has very loose vowels. Some of you are going to get these later in the day. And it's going to be funny. And, and then this one, please excuse Sarah for being absent. She was sick and I had her shot. So, <laughs> Moms, your job is not easy. Those moms struggled with it. I want us to read the ideal, about the ideal from the Word of God in Proverbs chapter 31. And then we're going to make some application for our lives today. Let's look at this. Beginning in verse 10, who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack any good thing. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good, and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff, and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor, and she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing and she can laugh at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women are capable but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let all her works praise her at the city gates. Wow. Okay, moms, how you doing? (laughs) Maybe you're like my wife when she reads Proverbs 31, this passage of the virtuous or capable godly woman. She just says, I'm not that. Getting up before the sun comes up. Not me. Never idle, not me. Sewing garments for your kids. Making sure they have the right thing to wear all the time. It's a challenge, isn't it? Well, I want to set your mind at ease, all right? Number one, this is the ideal, okay? So number one, we're going to look at the ideal. Let's take a a closer look at the ideal mom, the ideal godly mom. Just a few of these. I've just pulled a few highlights out to, to summarize some of the character traits, Some of the descriptive words of a godly mother, the ideal mom. First of all, she is precious. It's One of my favorites, precious. Verse 1, who can find this capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels. That word precious means to be valued. It means to be valuable, something that's essential. We can't do without mom. And I think that word right there just says it. She is uh, indispensable. We can't do without her, precious. Secondly, she is trustworthy. Trustworthy. Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her. He will not lack anything good. He can depend on his wife. He can trust her to do the right thing, not only to be faithful, but to to manage the household well. He can trust her when he sends her off to the the mall with the credit cards that everything's going to be all right. That really wasn't supposed to be funny, but that, (laughs) Now this should be, all right? A couple of guys talking about their wives and one guy says, I I dreamt that my wife, uh, I'm sorry, my wife dreamed that she was married to a millionaire. The other guy says, that's nothing. My wife thinks that every time she goes shopping. (laughs) Ladies, you can be trusted. Your husband knows that if it's it's something significant, you're going to call him first and say, honey, I'm looking at this pair of shoes that cost more than our car does. What should I do? Trustworthy. Diligent. Third one, let her see. She is diligent. Look at verse 13. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar or far away. Verse 18 says she sees that her profits are good. Her lamp never goes out at night. She's diligent, she stays with the stuff, she's always working. She's faithfully at her role as a mom. Diligent, diligent. Next characteristic or trait that the writer of Proverbs mentions, she is generous, generous. Look at verse 15. She rises while it is still night, provides food for her household, and portions for her female servants. Not only does she take care of her family, she takes care of the family servants. Well, look at verse 20. Her hands reach out to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. Not only does she take care of her family, the family servants, but she reaches out to the poor and needy. She is generous. I read about one family that was generous. They were always having people over for dinner and they invited the neighbors and everybody sat down at the table and the younger daughter set the places at the table and she set all the places except one and there was just a plate there. There was no fork, no knife, no spoon, just a plate. So the neighbors come in and they all sit down. And that's where the the dad from next door sat down. And mom says, honey, why didn't you give this man, our neighbor, a fork and knife? She says, well, you said he always eats like a horse. So I figured he didn't need that stuff. Generous. Generous. Wise is the next trait. She is wise. Look at verse 16. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants vineyards with her earnings. She's wise with her finances. Verse 26 says this. She opens her mouth with wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. A godly woman, the ideal mom, will be wise, saying the right thing at the right time. Isn't it great when moms can do that? That is a gift from God that when mom opens her mouth, you, you know it's, it's wisdom, like the, the little uh, countdown clip today, all those wise things that mom said. Wise. One mom was doing what moms do, answering theological questions. Her, her little boy had gone off to Sunday school and he had learned about creation, how God created man from the dust to the ground and, and about how when we die, after the fall of man, we die. And so he's asking mom all these questions and says, he says, mom, is, is it true that, that we, we started with dust? We were created from the dust and She thinks for me, she says, yes, son, that's right. And and mom, is it true that when we die, we go back to the dust? She says, yes, son, that's right. He says, well, I just looked under my bed and there's somebody either coming or going. (laughs) She's wise. The next trait, confident, confident. Look at verse 17. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. Now, this doesn't mean mom's a weightlifter, okay? She's not a powerlifter, but it means she's a strong, confident woman. When my wife was uh, raising our two little kids when they were preschoolers, toddlers, and times were difficult, and uh, we had one car. You know how that goes? And I took the car every day, and I'm out running around doing my thing as a pastor, and Kelly's at home, trapped with two preschoolers. Can you relate to that, ladies? can't get out of there, can't go anywhere, stuck with these preschoolers, and she was really having a difficult time, and she went away to a conference and, and came back, and uh, I was just asking her what she learned and some, some truths that came out of that, and she said, you know, the one thing I really got out of this is that I am, I am a confident, accomplished woman, confidence. In, in the midst of the everyday nitty-gritty stuff that you go through, ladies, it's easy to lose your confidence and wonder, is this ever going to turn out all right? Can you relate to that? There are those days when you think, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do. There are days when you just want to close the door and leave the kids by themselves and walk away. I read about one lady, she discovered the best way to have a quiet time. She took the, the baby playpen. That's what they called them in those days when I was raising kids. They took the playpen and she set it in the middle of her room. She had like four preschoolers and she emptied all the toys out of the playpen and she climbed in it and sat down with her Bible and had her quiet time. That's creative. Do what you have to do, right? Be confident. You can get through this. You can. We tell parents of preschoolers this too shall pass. Whenever someone has a little baby, I snap my fingers and I say it's gonna go by that fast. That fast. Before you know it, she's gonna be driving out of your driveway for the first time in that car. Ugh. I'm just getting emotional thinking about it. And then you're dropping her off at college. And then you're watching her go her own way. Someday I may walk her down the aisle. <laughs> okay, she may listen to this, so I hope she doesn't hear that <laughs> laugh at the end. Confident. The last one, spiritual. She is spiritual. Look at verse 30 with me. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. It doesn't mean that those things aren't good, okay? All right, ladies, it's okay to be charming and beautiful, to take care of yourself, but they're fleeting. But the woman who fears the Lord will be praised. To fear the Lord means not to be afraid of Him, but to trust Him. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Spiritual, spiritual maturity. One pastor who raised four boys... And all four of those boys became preachers. Pretty neat. They'd gone to a family reunion, and one of the family members asked, you know, who's the best preacher in the family? And without reservation, one of the boys said, Mom. That's true. The ladies, that's a look at the ideal. Can I say to you that I haven't seen the ideal yet? My mom was pretty special, but she wasn't Perfect. I haven't seen the perfect one yet, but there's a model in Scripture here of what to strive for. That's the ideal. I want this morning to relieve you of the guilt that you have to be this perfect Proverbs 31 woman. Okay? That's God's ideal. Strive for it. Desire it. But realize this side of glory, you may never be there. That's the ideal. Let's look at some encouraging words, okay? Number two. Give God the glory where you have succeeded. Look at the ideal, give it a good look, but give God the glory where you've succeeded. Hold that place there in Proverbs and look with me at Romans chapter eight. Verse 28, Romans 8, 28. The Bible says we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. Some people misquote this and say God works all things for good. Well, the Bible says God works all things according to his purpose for those who love him. Can I just say that God is at work? He's working in your life. He's working in your family. He's working in the lives of your kids. Give him the glory for that. Don't be like the gardener who inherited this weed-infested, overgrown garden it had been neglected for years and so he got in there and pulled the weeds and tilled the soil and fertilized and put seed in there and watered it and grew it and somebody walked by and said man what a beautiful garden the Lord has grown and this gardener said well you may say that but you should have seen it when God had it by himself don't be like that recognize that without God in the midst of your family it's going to be tough where you've succeeded. When your kids grow up and they don't embarrass you too much. Give God the glory. When, when they're confronted with an issue and they make the right decision. Praise them, but give God the glory. When you step back and say, well, I've raised my kids and they've turned out okay. Give God the glory for that. That's when you've succeeded. What about when you, in your mind, have failed? Number three. Give God an opportunity to work where you have failed. Give God the opportunity to work where you fail, failed. And I've failed in my outlining quotes because you're not a failure. But when in your mind you blew it, you've blown it, it didn't work out, and you know it. Give God an opportunity to use that to work. Hold that place in Proverbs and turn back a couple of pages to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, I want you to listen to this description, ladies, of how well God knows you. The psalmist said, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. And then skip down with me at verse 14. The psalmist writes, I praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know this very well. Now I read those two sections of Psalm 139 to say this, ladies. God knows you. He is not surprised by your imperfection. Can I say that again? God is not surprised that you're imperfect. He's not surprised that you blow it. He's not surprised at sometimes you say the wrong thing, that you're not there when you should be there. God knows us. He knows your heart. He knows all that stuff. And then in verse 14, there's praise that I've been fearfully, remarkably, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know this very well. Ladies, let me encourage you. God created you. He knows you. He knows your heart. He wants to use you for his glory. And the works here that the psalmist speaks of aren't just about the, the, him himself as a creation. So ladies, it's not just about you. It's about the work of God in your life. See, God is up to something. He is at work in your life. He's at work in your kid's life. And even when your kids are grown and gone, he's still at work in your life. I know that very well, the psalmist says. I know it, and it's a good thing. Give God an opportunity to work. So I've got three more statements here as we think about where we haven't done what we should have done. Ladies, where you think you've blown it. Number one, if you're responsible for the failure, repent and receive forgiveness. If you're responsible for the failure in parenting, if you definitely did the wrong thing, If there was disobedience, if you weren't where you needed to be, maybe you did the wrong thing and not out of disobedience, but just because you didn't know any better, if you've blown it, if you've failed, say, God, I blew it. Again, Psalm 139 says, God knows you blew it. Who are we kidding? By the way, your kids know that you've blown it. Did you know that? Ladies, if you've blown it, if you've failed, just go to God and say, God, I'm sorry, and where sin was involved, where neglect was involved, where disobedience was involved, God, I ask your forgiveness and receive his forgiveness and cleansing. First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Receive that forgiveness. But can I say this also? Not only do you need to ask God's forgiveness, ask your kids' forgiveness too. I cannot tell you how many times I had to go to my kids, had present tense, still have to go to my children, my kids, even though they're grown, and say, you know what, I was wrong, I blew it. I'm sorry. They know it. I had a conversation with my daughter just a few months ago on the phone, and she ended up crying before the conversation was over. That'll make a dad feel real good. And she wasn't crying because I made her feel special. <laughs> she was crying because I was harsh. And I hung up the phone and immediately God convicted me. Kevin, why did you say all that stuff? And I went right away and I wrote her an email. (laughs) I just poured my heart out to her. And she got back with me and she understood. And I told her I was sorry. Man, that gets old. You know what? Like the psalmist says, God knows my heart. And it's okay When I acknowledge that I'm imperfect and ask his forgiveness and ask my child's forgiveness. Maybe that's something you need to do today. Maybe that's the elephant in the room at your house. Maybe when your family gets together with your adult children, everybody knows that you messed up. Your kids know it and they just need to hear you say, I messed up. Let her be. In order for God to be at work, we have to be realistic. Be realistic. Again, Proverbs 31 is about the ideal. Be realistic. You're not the ideal. Accept that. Almost every year I read this list. I read an article years ago on the myths of motherhood. And I just selected five to read you today. Myth number one. A good mom never raises her voice. Myth number two, a good mom knows exactly what each child is to wear to school and has it washed, ironed, and ready for for them the night before. Myth number three, a good mom never leaves her kids in the nursery with a runny nose. Myth number four, a good mom keeps a regimented schedule of regular tooth flossing and Bible memorization. Anyway, this list goes on and on, but the last one is this, myth number five on my list. Motherhood is easy. Folks, that's a myth. It is a challenge. It is tough. It is work. It is not easy. Be realistic about that. God, in his infinite wisdom, decided that you, mom, would be the one to have the primary role in the home of raising those kids. And that, that is what many moms have been known for. And in his infinite wisdom, I think that's one of the toughest jobs ever. Be realistic, ladies, okay? By the way, kids, be realistic about who your mom is. Accept her as God's gift to you, though she may be imperfect. Years ago, we used to go to a seminar, and they would give us a pen, a little button that we would wear, a little yellow button. It had these letters on it just scrambled up in, in, a, in a funny order, P-B-P-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. I had to read them. I wrote them down. And they were all scrambled up, and somebody would say, what's with that button? And I said, those, those letters remind me of these words. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Moms, could you wear that button? Hey kids, could you be patient with your mom? The last truth, if we're going to have an opportunity for God to work in our imperfections, place your trust in God. Place your trust in God. Again, back to verse 30. A woman who fears the Lord will be praised. A woman who trusts in the Lord with her whole heart will be a godly woman, and God will use it. Have you trusted the Lord? Have you said, God, here I am with all my imperfections and my, my challenge is to raise these kids in such a way that this would bring honor and glory to you and I'm going to trust you, God, to get in the middle of it. I do not understand how this works, but I've experienced it. I do the best I can do. I trust God with my whole heart and somehow he gets in the middle of that and works it for his glory. Moms, trust him. I wonder today how many people are sitting in this room and you'd say, Pastor, man, I know that that's true. I, I have to trust the Lord with every part of my life. wonder if there would be others here today who would say, I think I know what that means to trust him, but I'm not really sure that I've completely gotten it. But let me just tell you, the beginning point is not just to say, God, I'm going to trust you with my family. The beginning point is to say, God, I'm going to trust you with my life. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. Have you done that? See, parenting is secondary if you haven't trusted him as your Savior. Making relationships right is a good thing, but that's secondary if you haven't trusted Him as your Savior. The most important decision you will ever make in your life is the decision to trust Christ as Savior. We witnessed a testimony this morning as we baptized Kendra. Her testimony was that there there was a time in her life when she prayed to invite Christ into her life and trust Him as personal Lord and Savior. Have you done that? That's where it begins. Maybe your family's messed up. And you can define whatever that means. <laughs> We're all messed up a little bit, I know that. Maybe your family's messed up because you have never placed your faith in Christ as personal Savior. But wouldn't it be a great Mother's Day gift to your kids if today you gave your heart to Christ? Wouldn't it be a great Mother's Day gift to your mom if today you gave your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I challenge you to do that. The Bible says in Psalm 138, verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love is eternal and do not abandon the work of your hands. God is at work. He wants us to yield ourselves to him so he can work it out for his glory. I'm going to close with this. Diane Lumens has written a, just a statement about raising kids. And she says, if I had my child to raise all over again, If I had my child to raise all over again, I'd build self-esteem first and the house later. I'd finger paint more and point the finger less. I would do less correcting and more connecting. I'd take my eyes off my watch and watch with my eyes. I would care to know less and know to care more. I'd take more hikes and fly more kites. I'd stop playing serious and seriously play. I would run through more fields and gaze at more stars. I'd do more hugging and less tugging. I'd see the oak tree in the acorn more often. I would be firm less often and affirm much more. I'd model less about the love of power and more about the power of love. I challenge you moms, trust God, accept who you are, let him get in the middle of that and use it for his glory. Will you pray with me?